Hello and welcome to Sh- We're Reading Dirty Books. This is Saylat. And this is Kalina. And today with us, we are so happy to have Heather Ashbury to talk about our next book. Hi, Heather. Hi. Thank you for having me. <laughs> yes, thank you for coming on our show. Um, we are so excited to have this conversation with you about your work, about your book, and all sorts of stuff. But before we do, we uh, like to open up our conversation with a quickie. So, Kalina, what you got for us? So today we'll do, Do You Believe in Soulmates? Has a little bit to do with the book we read. So, uh-huh, yeah. so what do you guys think? Are soulmates a real thing? Or are they just in our paranormal romance books? <laughs> I'll let Heather go first. Oh, geez. I would like to think that soulmates are an actual thing. And I like to feel like I, I found mine. But um, to say whether or not it's it's real is uh, really difficult to say for sure. It's a nice thought. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm with you on that as far as like human beings go, right? I do believe in soulmates, but I think my soulmate honestly was my cat that I had for like 21 years and his name was dookie and he was the best thing i mean okay i have a husband and kids and stuff but i fucking loved him (laughs) (laughs) and i have like animals and like i have a dog and a cat now and i love isosceles he's my cat right now but dookie was seriously just the most incredible being i had ever been around that wasn't human (laughs) so for me i believe it in that sense he was like my familiar that couldn't talk to me that i really wish could have what about you kalina um i don't think that there's ever just one person for Mm. somebody i think with seven billion people in the world it would be really hard to believe that there's only ever one because also how would you ever find that one (laughs) They'd have to be geographically very close to you always. But anyway, so I think there's a likelihood that there's just people who at different times in your life match what you're needing out of life and they come in and sometimes they go, they may not, but I think that's more likely than a like one and only soulmate kind of story. And it's kind of sad to think about if there's a soulmate and with how vast and how big the world is and like, I'm never going to fucking meet my soulmate. There's 7 billion people in the world, (laughs) you know? So you find the one that fits the most and then you label that this is my soulmate. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> like at, at the time until, and like Kalina said, maybe they they don't always stay, but maybe you get to do a couple of them in your lifetime. So you, you might just have that opportunity to do that. Yeah. Well, I think because our needs and our you know circumstances change over our life. And so there's things you need out of life that are different as you, mm-hmm. as you move through the world. And so maybe, you know, maybe this person who you found early, Maybe you guys grow apart and it doesn't match, but that doesn't mean that that wasn't real or even possibly a soulmate connection at that time. I think it could still be looked at that way. And then maybe there's somebody else for your future needs and and self. I don't know. Yeah, I I like that. (laughs) Yeah, I'm also the unmarried person who's all like, (laughs) well, I definitely don't find mine. (laughs) So that's maybe why I have a different approach. (laughs) That's all good. <clears throat> or we could just all live in a reverse harem of our own, like in a real, <laughs> in a real nice? world. And, you know, we could have a, a couple of here, one to do the dishes, one to mow the lawn. Oh, please. Also Let's all to that. love. <laughs> yes, exactly. I wish. I know, right? <laughs> 
so Heather, let's start off with asking about you and where you're from and how you got started with writing and really just anything you want to introduce yourself with. Well, I live in a little farm in New Mexico. I'm originally from Phoenix and uh, I hate Phoenix and I will never go back. And I think my book reflects my feelings on Phoenix pretty well. I think so. <laughs> I think so. I was feeling that. <laughs> yep. What got me started in writing? Uh, I've been writing for a very long time since I was really little. I was always an avid reader. I started out writing mostly poetry until all the way through high school. And then, I don't know, something happened. My creativity for my poetry just kind of abandoned me and I couldn't write a poem mm. to save my damn life and oh, I no. was so frustrated it sucked it was so frustrating but then I started I had this idea this kind of daydream is how this book started out in my mind and I couldn't stop thinking about it and it kept developing so I started taking notes and writing down the scenes and the dialogue and everything that I saw and once I had a pretty big chunk of something to work with I just filled in the blanks and wrote it out and made a book and then I thought that was going to be it. I thought I was going to make my book and that's it. And then the story continued in my mind and I haven't seen an end to it yet. So I have four books so far planned and it I, I don't know how far it's going to go because I haven't seen the end yet, but one little thing turned into a series. So yeah. Neat. Yeah, I think you get the sense in the book that there's more to come for this for the characters, for the people of this town. What was its name? I forgot. Pine. Tall Pines. Tall Pines. Tall Pines. Yeah. So I think we should mention just so everyone, if they didn't listen to our last episode and don't know what book we're talking about, it's more than human. And that's what we read for this episode. And Heather's here to discuss it with us. She's the author. But I think it's the mo one of the more unique paranormal books we've read. Um, you do not ha you have a whole bunch of mix of supernatural characters, like all kinds. Uh, and there's not just it's not just a vampire story or just a werewolf story or any of that. And then none of them are kind of that typical role that you see in a lot of them, especially any of them that are immortal tend to be, well, I've been around for like 500 years and they're super rich and they have all of this like resources. This felt more like a band of misfits that have come yes. together and are supporting each other and like trying to figure out what the supernatural life is and how to live quietly with humans or not, depending on which side <laughs> you're on. <laughs> so I thought that was very unique that it came to you from kind of a daydream situation is interesting. Yeah, so. I used to play a game with myself looking at, I love to people watch. And so looking at people and based on their mannerisms and their characteristics and, and stuff like that, I would think about if they were like some kind of an animal, what would they be? Or a supernatural creature, what would they be? Like my husband, for instance, is totally a werewolf. He has the nose of a dog, the loyalty of a dog. <laughs> and one of the lines from my book was actually a question that he asked me have you ever just howled at the moon? And he asked me that oh. shortly after we started dating. And I made a note of that. Oh, that's really weird and random to ask me. Are, are you a werewolf? <laughs> so to me, my husband oh. is totally a werewolf. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so endearing. I love when authors put personal aspects into their books. Have you read many paranormal or even romance novels before you started writing? Few, not not a whole lot. I've I've read some Anne Rice. I've read Amelia Atwater Rhodes. She's one of my favorites. Demon in my view is my Bible as a teenager. It was so worn. 
Um, and Annette Curtis Claus with uh, Blood and Chocolate. But I, I read a lot of uh, mostly informational books about herbalism and and maybe some Kurt Vonnegut here and there. And, and I really love Shakespeare, but uh, mm-hmm. I'm not huge into reading romance myself. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's actually pretty incredible with how you've set out your, your story and laid it out and stuff. I mean, you didn't follow traditional tropes, which is something we really appreciate, especially mm-hmm. like for me. I really do wish that we would get more realistic characters like they're not all millionaires <laughs> they're not all going to be very wealthy we can have a poor vampire give me a poor vampire yeah i want one so bad <laughs> <laughs> well you know and these kids live in the wilderness which, which is really awesome too and they have to drive an hour and a half out to get to another person's house and it's just it's pretty cool but i think the way that you the the ones that you have read or the ones that you haven't really delved into really shows up in how you write your books. And I think it's cool because it just flips certain tropes and things that we're used to reading, which is what we read these books for is is for that kind of stuff to find those different things. Like for instance, um, Jewel, who, sorry, I keep calling her Jules. <laughs> In my head, she's Jules. <laughs> a lot of people do. <laughs> yeah. So Jewel, when she actually gets to to transform into her wolf form, she's bigger than William, mm-hmm. and it's like really cool because we we I don't we've never had that in any other of our wolf books. No, none. The women are never bigger than their other than the male werewolves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it was very unique, and to have her be more of a a purebred werewolf. Yeah. So she has kind of some of the stronger powers and not have known it was interesting. And added to that, because we talked a little bit, um, we found each other on a, a Facebook book group and you were mentioning your book. And I thought we talked about how it, this breaks a lot of the werewolf tropes because we've had, you know, anyone who's listened to us for the past five years <laughs> knows that Sela and I have had some trouble reading werewolf books in the past. There was especially a tendency during, I think, like the late 90s, early 2000s to try to make them fit too much into like the wolf research that was going on about how wolf pack structures work, which also turned out to be completely fake. Like, yeah, yeah that's not even real shit. Was like, debunked <laughs> anyway. But at the time, writers were like, okay, so there's these alpha wolves and they behave this way. And Beta will and and it is a little rough in books sometimes, especially anything that's going to be on the verge of or in the romance sphere, because these characters are supposed to be in love and they're all like really aggressive towards each other in ways that are uncomfortable. And instead, yeah. we have in your book a pair of werewolves who are just the sweetest, most kind people to each other. Like they're just supportive and loving of like William and Jewel. Uh-huh. are such a cute couple <laughs> and they I are. love them so much. I really appreciate that they didn't have weird alpha aggression <laughs> issues. <laughs> I got really tired of that myself. You know, like the, the hyper-sexualization, the over-glorification of virgins, the ownership, you know, the misogyny involved, you know. And my werewolves aren't like that, damn it. <laughs> no, <Nope. laughs> I, uh, yeah, I made it a point to be a little different, you know. They, he actually cares about her and doesn't want to hurt her and, you know, sees her as a person, not his property. And... Mm-hmm. You know, it's about mutual respect. 
And I, I think that a lot of werewolf books are really lacking with that. So absolutely, there was no talk of alpha anything in these books. So there wasn't or in this book, there just there, there wasn't that there. And, and it was always he was embracing her trying to find the inner wolf in her. And then when she did transform, he's like, hey, I'll go teach you how to be a wolf instead of fuck, this bitch is bigger than me. <laughs> you know, and so, Like, and, and there was no like over masculinity, overpowering or trying to like make her support mid or anything like that he was just like now let's go run through the woods and fucking be wolves and uh it's just so cute i loved the scene when they were were first transforming together and she they like slept did they sleep by the fire or something the first time not when he got kidnapped the next time but (laughs) well or he she tried but she couldn't do it right yeah that was the first time she couldn't transform yet she did it when it was to save his life. That was the, right. the impetus to actually push her through and find her inner wolf was when he was in danger. And then also to, you know, stay on that topic at the end, towards the end of the book, one of the other characters was trying to get up in her head and be like, oh, you emasculated William when you saved him. And now he doesn't like you anymore or something. I, don't, I forget which character was saying that to her. And she was just like, oh, no, because Jewel did have um, some self-esteem issues she, that came up throughout the book. So she was worried about a lot of stuff but William immediately shot that whole idea down and was like no you, I was gonna die <laughs> like I'm happy you saved me like that doesn't worry me at all uh. so I love that I just their interplay their dynamic he's like a really just good guy who's not he's not toxic which is awesome so <laughs> yeah you get that you get that emotion like you it, it just kind of comes out in the pages when you're reading it whenever Joel and William are right next to each other they don't even have to say anything but it's almost kind of like you get the the scene in your head where she just comes and stand next to him and it's like oh, which is like love and, and it's so it's crazy to me because we don't normally get that we get that tension when at first you get the male and the female wolves together and it's like hmm. and they're fighting for dominance because both because you we get strong female characters too which is what jewel is but they just don't fight about it they're just like cool let's just be cohesive and love each other so i appreciate it thank you for writing that for us we've been looking for it we have been it's been it's been a time coming (laughs) we needed this (laughs) i'm so glad you enjoyed it yeah yeah so there's not a lot in this book about jewel and her history is that something you're saving for future books to kind of explain why she didn't know like anything and like where's her family and what happened to her growing up yeah book two gets more into um her family history because it's questioned by somebody and uh in short she comes from a fairly estranged family which is why she doesn't know much she's not really in contact with her father her mother's in an institution and she has no siblings so that's why the family that she establishes in new mexico is so important to her Mm -hmm. okay so we do get to find out a little bit more about her because all we got was like i mean the only tie to childhood that we got from her was annabelle who Mm. is immediately dispatched (laughs) like not longer she didn't didn't last long at all after she took william away which is also another thing that i was like yeah the man was the one who got fucking kidnapped and stuff this time (laughs) she went to right it was not damsel in distress situation which is so cool (laughs) 
Does the order or parts of the order come back? I'm sorry, I can't remember the full name of the order. The order of charity does come back. Yes, they're they're always kind of around. They will be in every book. Okay. I made a note in my Kindle that says any group that has the order in it, except for the Order of the Phoenix, is really bad. It's just just bad. You just got to know. I think the more bad is the purity word. I feel like that's definitely (laughs) the signal that... I've got one point of view and anything that doesn't match it is okay. got to be destroyed. <laughs> Good <Yeah>. point. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, that, the other word actually strikes me as a little bit more <laughs> disturbing. I think we have dueling notes on that piece. <laughs> if you look at that page. Oh, we probably do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah. <laughs> so how has the writing process been? Because you're an indie author, yes? Am I yes. correct? In that? Yes. So yeah. we like, you know, we love talking to indie authors. We're an indie podcast and so we love the, you know, to support fellow artists, creators who are just getting it done. How has that process been for you? How are you finding it? How are things going? Well, a lot better than when I started because I actually have kind of an idea of what I'm doing now. But uh, the first book, I kind of just jumped in. I just jumped off the cliff, you know, with no mm-hmm. idea what to do. But I, I had some other authors who were very kind to assist me in everything, the whole process, and and basically hold my hand the whole way. And so I, I'm helping other authors with uh, what I, I was taught. And um, so this time is a lot easier. I definitely know more of what I'm doing. I felt more confident with my writing, but I, I still go through the, you know, yay, I wrote a book. I love it to the, ah, my book sucks. I shouldn't publish and, and oh, no. everywhere in between. And um, that emotional roller coaster, I don't think will get any easier. The mm-hmm. imposter syndrome is always there. Yeah. But having a good support network, other authors to bounce questions off of, you know, to make sure that you're, you're not signing up for a deal that's going to get you ripped off because there are so many scammers out there targeting new authors who are just too naive to know that, you know, it's a scam. And um, I'm, I'm very thankful for the support network that I have built. And, and if it wasn't for them, I don't think I would even publish book two. Mm, that's great. That is good. I mean, I think all of our interviews have been with indie authors. So, you know. No, that's not correct. Okay, that's not true. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, shit. Really? <laughs> Sorry. It just isn't. <laughs> I, I, I obviously don't remember all of our authors. Abigail, Abigail Owens is with the oh, publishing house. She is. I'm so sorry. She was our first interview. That's why I'd forgotten. Oh, yeah, cool. after that, it's been. <laughs> sorry. I did, just didn't want to. <laughs> no, that, that's why you're here, is to correct I know, me. To correct you. <laughs> It's our dynamic and it works. It no. Is. People are used to it. I'm sure everyone listens is like, man, that bitch is always yeah, that. telling Saylet she's shit. wrong. Well, that's because Saylet is always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So can you talk a little bit, you've already talked about the process of getting started and stuff. And obviously this is different for different authors, but how long was the process from like really just writing? The, I know that you've written just different scripts and different parts of your books before you actually put it together and complete it. But from about beginning to end to publishing, about how long did that take? For the first book, from writing notes to writing it out to publishing, it took me about six years. Wow. Wow. Majority of that was probably writing? Mm -hmm. Well, sometimes. I was running an herbalism business and 
you know, I live on a farm, so we're we're busiest in the spring and fall, mm-hmm. planting and harvesting. And then I've got kids and I have uh, mental health issues, depression, anxiety. And whenever I'm suffering from those really bad, I really can't get any writing done. So it was put on mm-hmm. the back burner a lot, mostly because I wasn't taking it seriously and it was kind of more just for fun. And then when I finally decided that I was going to take it seriously and crack down on it, I pumped it out pretty quickly after that. But okay. Time. Okay. I didn't have a lot of time. I didn't give myself yeah. a lot of time. Sure. That makes sense. Time is very for writing and especially when you're first getting started, I think it's super. Yeah. I'm with you on that same boat. I've got kids in school and, and stuff too. So, and I write a little bit here and there, but never have finished anything, nor do I know. I just don't even know where to get started. And Colleen and I want to collaborate and do something, but we're all so busy and <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if that ever happens. Uh, but, hey, eh. we got this happening. <laughs> we- we accomplished one of our many ideas for things to do together. <laughs> Can you talk a little bit more about your your herbalism and what you do and what that's about? Oh, um, yeah. I mostly I just research and use plants that grow around my area, medicinal plants that most people consider weeds are actually very medicinal and very useful. I make uh, bath salts and stuff for pain and for depression and anxiety. I make uh, salves for pain management and some for serious, uh, you know, menstrual cramping or arthritis, migraines. And then uh, I make lip balms and I like to play around with making my own teas and, and stuff. And awesome. Yeah. I That's cool. help a lot of people uh, around my community. A lot of people rely on, on my products to help with their pain management. So that's nice. Oh, wow. <laughs> that is. That's awesome. Yeah, that's incredible. Well, cool. Um, all I could talk about is how much I hate Annabelle and I want to punch her in the face. Good. You're, you're supposed <laughs> well, to hate her. She doesn't, she, you don't have to wait long for, for her to get <laughs> her karma points. No. They come, they come up pretty quickly. I thought it was interesting because she was reading off from the beginning. Like she, there was something about that. One of those first phone calls where you're just like. It was the question. She asked a, a certain question. And I was like, what's up with this chick? Yeah. And then for her to pop up and be not only part of the plot, but actually like one of the main bads. <laughs> she was like, I'm here causing all kinds of trouble. Was very, was very interesting because. I thought maybe she'd have some hand in something or be like maybe just a spy, something, you know, where she's passing information on or trying to collect stuff on on Jewel. But to actually be engaged with the torture was an interesting turn for that character. And she's just sitting there taking part. It's upsetting. That there were a couple scenes in your book that I found really um <laughs> Like, no, they were they were well written, but like challenging to read. And like the cave scene was one. And then the waterboarding scene of Jewel was just like terrifying. Like, have you been waterboarded? That was terrifying to read. I have not been waterboarded, but um, (laughs) I I almost drowned as a child. So her her fear of drowning stems from my own fear. I hate water. I'm like a cat. You know, water's nice to look at. I'll stick my feet in it or whatever, but I'm not a big fan water <laughs> and so I, I incorporated you know my own fear in, into my characters because I remembered a line from Stephen King saying that you know the reason his books are so terrifying and the reason that a lot of them revolve around terrible things happening to children is because that was his own initial fear and that falls mm-hmm. under you know you write best what you know and if you know your exactly. own fear intimately you can describe it that makes a lot of that sense. makes sense yeah 
I, I'm with you. I'm, I hate water too. I'm terrified of it. Kalina taught me how to swim <laughs> in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm still not very good at it. But you can swim. <laughs> but I can. I can survive a little bit, I think. If that uh, that kind of goes back to, um, no, that doesn't go back to anything. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to talk about Loki and that doesn't go back to anything. No, I mean, he was the one torturing her, but. He was the one torturing her. It's very Which upsetting. It, it was Loki and, oh, it must have been really hard for William to watch that. Was he watching yeah. that one? Yeah, he was. It was tough. Yeah. Did you base William off of your husband? I did. Okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah, because I'm getting strong vibes of you for for Jewel too. Yeah, I think there's too. a lot of like you've you've mentioned a lot of the pieces of yourself that you've put into that character. So I think that makes sense then that then William bit, would yeah. be kind of yeah. a little bit based on your husband. So because again, they they had like this great it really came across the page in a way that felt really real. So that's I think very well done. Especially because I think when we first talked, you weren't 100% classifying your book as a romance. And I think we could say it's not one of our steamier ones by any means. But the story for Jewel and William is a romance. Like, Mm -hmm. it's a love story. And that's part of what is, as long as there's a piece of that, then a book has romance in it. It has that interpersonal relationship when two characters develop. And that alone will make it part, like something that we want to read that is a romance. It doesn't have to have all of the juicy sex scenes. They can be quiet and off the page, which is fun. (laughs) (laughs) So I did. I I appreciated that because it isn't, you know, it's not a typical book that we'd read, but it's a, it had all the pieces that we love to read in, in a romance anyway. So did you have plans on adding any of that stuff just so that we know for the future? (laughs) (laughs) Um, not full blown smut scenes, but, uh, some of the, I guess, past description from reflection on the progress of their relationship, the details get a little bit steamier Okay, and your imagination can take over, but it sure does. (laughs) I never, I never go full blown detail because number one, my dad reads my books. And I feel that's weird. Understandable, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And my son wants to read my books, oh. which is also weird. So I, I cut those out. And if I ever do any other stories in the future with some smuttiness, I'll probably use a different uh, pen name for that. Ah, there's a okay. lot of authors that do that. But it so. gets it gets a little, there's a little bit of steaminess in the descriptions, but it's not, you know, no, pornographic. Sure. <laughs> those are totally understandable. Dad, and is it your 12? Well, obviously. Not your six-year-old's not going to be reading these books. Yeah, my twelve-year-old son reads <laughs> reads my books, and uh, you know, I personally have nothing against smuttiness in books or anything. It's just I consciously know who's going to be reading my books, and that yeah. makes me hold back. Well, I'm <laughs> sure. You know, every not all authors have to write that and not all books have to have that. I think mm. that one, that would be boring. <laughs> we need more, you know, we need books in all kinds of genres and, and at different levels of steam because we don't always want to read the smuttiest of smut, but sometimes we do. But no, I liked your book anyway. I think there's a <laughs> lot of romance in your book and a, the relationships really matter. Mm-hmm. So how do the characters... 
the end of this one, they're all kind of beat up a little bit. Like it was a hard ending with mm. the internal struggle between, I mean, people who read, who listen to us, we know, like always know that we give out the spoilers. So we're going to tell them kind of yeah. what happens. And <laughs> hopefully they've all read the book before they listen to this episode. But after they defeat that particular group of the, the Order of the Purity when they kidnapped Williams and then Jewel kills them all. So that bad guy's defeated, at least for now. We're in a lull. And then yeah. the next kind of tension comes from in, inside the group because there's part of the group really wants to try to resume their lives, stay hidden, stay off the radar. And there's another section that thinks this is the time to come out and take dominance over humans and like, you know, make themselves known as supernaturals that have all these powers and kind of take control. And it breaks up the group in a way that like we've just been meeting these characters and seeing kind of their internal dynamic. And like I said, they're like this lovable band of misfits that comes together. And I really mm-hmm. enjoyed reading about them. And then the tension happens and now they have to fight their friends. Can you like, yeah. how, how do we move from there? Like at the end of this book, how are these characters going to be okay? <laughs> I'm worried about them. <laughs> <laughs> We do. We do. Well, I'm hoping to break some more hearts oh. with uh, oh. more character deaths. Oh, uh, no. Two. Don't do it. <laughs> but I don't know. I, uh, I, can't, I can't give it away. No. <laughs> um, Azul does come back. He's back in book two a little bit here and there. And then in the in the future, you know, Victor, who was the demon that was, um, you know, banished. Yeah. He's going to show back up in book three. And Demonic, I I haven't seen where he went off to. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he, he hasn't come back in my story yet. But um, the, the remaining members, Ethan and Fidelia and Azadora and Loki, William and Jewel and Jeremy, the demonologist, they all still kind of hang out together and get together and, you know, moved on past the, the internal conflict that they had previously. And But there's more tension being built because of what book one has built up to. Mm-hmm. There's there's going to be some more internal conflict between the group because now, you know, they've banished the dragon and banished the demon and the vampire got up and walked away and, mm-hmm. and um, yeah. Oh, man, I already know that's going to be rough because when Brad died, I had to put the book down and walk away. <laughs> I couldn't Aww. handle it. I was so in love with him. And we didn't he even... was a really Aww. cute character. He was such a cute character. And I don't know that we even really got to figure out... We never really figured out what he was. Or did... did was that explained? He didn't know what he was. We, yeah. Loki, Loki knew he was something, but they hadn't really discovered it, right? Right. Yeah, I think so. Loki confesses that uh, Bradley was actually just a human. Aww. Oh, did I? Oh, I missed it. And kept saying that, you know, he is something. We just haven't figured it out so that he wouldn't feel excluded from the other members oh no but he was actually just that breaks my heart even more <laughs> i know he was nothing special oh man <laughs> i was kind of like bait for the plot you know i get it but still Brad well, and it was those. annabelle like well, she's she, the one yeah. that did that and that was so cruel so cruel Ooh, well anyway. what a bitch she yeah, <laughs> i called her a pussy bitch in one of the because she was talking so big and so tough at the beginning of the cave scene mm-hmm. when Jewel shows up in her human form and she's all like, 
like she's got her henchmen with her and she's part of this order and she's she just is so certain and adamant in her belief and in her power yeah. and strength and then the second Jules turns she's like, and no, kills the two henchmen Annabelle's all like crying just let me go just let me go and I'm like you didn't have fucking <laughs> empathy for anyone like you're sitting there torturing <laughs> and killed Bradley and mm-hmm. and you're crying because you want to get like I just had I was just like if you're gonna be a powerful like <laughs> crazy bitch then just be strong about it and take your medicine until the very end <laughs> yeah exactly so i was like this bitch you don't get to flip it <laughs> i mean it's a good care it is actually more fitting for her character to be that weak but yeah. but yeah i was really like <laughs> such <laughs> On, on the topic of Annabelle, I'm actually going to be doing a spinoff novella that's a, her journal from childhood until oh. just before the cave scene. Oh, yeah. So like showing her, her whole training yeah. and everything that she's been doing. And okay, you know, it, it, examples like I went to Jewel's birthday party today. Oh, my God. It was so stupid. And like just shit talking Jewel the whole so time cool. while at the same time, like, oh, hi, Jewel. Happy birthday. You know, oh, wow. Just that. That fraudulent friendship mm-hmm. well, since it began. And that would also be really interesting to explore the brainwashing. Yes. Because this, at one point, she's just a child. Like, yes. But to grow up, obviously, as part of the order and the strong brainwashing that must be done in order to indoctrinate her into this life where she's willing to have such, you know, hatred for others who she doesn't know and is just told are evil. That's an interesting concept because how do you take these kids and turn them into weapons in your own, yeah. you know, battle for supremacy or whatever? <laughs> Purity. 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 <laughs> oh. All right. Yeah. That sounds fascinating. So um, I think we're kind of wrapping up with the interview piece for the book. So I think I'd like to just go ahead and give this over to you, Heather, to promote your social media, your website, anywhere that you, you know, people can find you. And so they can read this book for sure. Hopefully they've already read it if they're listening. And then also find all the follow-ups as they come out and, yeah. and see your progress with these stories. So, Okay. Well, um, I have a website that is still in development. As soon as it's done, I'll publish it and let everybody know. But in the meantime, if you would like to support me and help continue supporting my book series, uh, you can find me on Patreon at Heather Ashbury, I think it's underscore author. And then I'm on Instagram, Space Hay, which if you ever used MySpace back in the day, Space Hay is exactly like that. And oh. so I, the nostalgic part of me was like, oh, yay. And I jumped on and <laughs> I'm on there. You can also find me on Amazon Author, All Author, and reviews can be found on Amazon and Goodreads. And then my book is now available on Audible. If you are a UK Amazon user and you would like to listen to my book on Audible, I have free codes to give out. Just please leave a review. Is that only for UK? I might have one or two left over for the US, but I have 25 codes for the UK to give away. Once I hit 100 sales, I can request more codes. I'm currently at 83. Okay. You can also contact my narrator, Christina Roth. Uh, She may also have some codes US and UK to distribute. Nice. That's so exciting to have it on Audible. I mean, we almost almost solely do audiobooks and I don't think I even looked. (laughs) 
book two will also be on Audible. As soon as it's done editing and it's finished and ready to go, I'm sending it to my narrator and she's going to get started on it. So it should be published shortly after the book is published on August 11th. Neat. Ooh, that's real quick. That's super cool. Yeah. Because this episode is coming out July 13th. So like it's one month until the book comes out. <laughs> That's great for look perfect. at that timing. Yep, pretty much. Good awesome. Timing. Perfect. <laughs> good job, so everyone. Listen. Oh yeah. I'm, that's how good I am. I plan yeah. this. <laughs> but no, they can listen to this. Get the make sure they've already read the first book, and then the second book's going to be out shortly. That's exciting. Yep. All right. That's well. Great. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. We just love sharing our mm-hmm. love of books with authors and other people who love books. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Yeah. Thank you so much, Heather. If anybody wants to reach out to Heather, there is her information and we'll have all that stuff that we're going to share on all of our social media as well. So it's been great. We really enjoyed your book and we really enjoyed this time with you. Thank you so much for having me here. I really it was really nice talking to you guys. I really love your show. And I'm, I'm so happy that you guys liked my book. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. And we look forward to you. Now I really want to listen to the Audible because that's like super intriguing to me. I really want to do that. So we'll keep in touch and we'll talk to you later. Awesome. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Guys, well, that was our interview with Heather. Heather, if you're listening, thank you again so much. It was lots of fun. Um, even with all the technical difficulties, how great is that? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we almost <laughs> lost that oh, whole interview. <laughs> I almost shit myself and cried. <laughs> it's very scary. It was. <laughs> but thank God for other technology that knows how to, to recover itself. So, all right. Well, cool. Let's just do our pieces of the rest of this book and then close out. What do you think? I think that sounds good. We'll just finish up this episode for More Than Human mm-hmm. by Heather Ashbury. I think really all that's left is what? The Kiss and Tell, yeah? Kiss and Tell and yeah. And then Rate and Review. Yep. Or Rate. We've already reviewed. <laughs> <laughs> just the rating. Yes. So there's one piece in the book, as we kind of mentioned throughout the interview, the main character, the main or the main couple of the story is Jewel and William. And they were friends back when Jewel came to town, we think for college, she showed up in Tall Pines. And then she left to go back home to Phoenix and four years later came back for a funeral. And this is when she's the story's taking place and she's going to stay in town because she just really doesn't like Phoenix. It's not the place for her. She's found this basically, uh, you know, a, a new family, essentially a family of friends in tall pines and she wants to stay with them and she's always had a crush on William she's always been really interested in him but she doesn't want to ruin their friendship and she assumes that you know he has no interest in her so one of the first evenings after they've told her she's a werewolf and she's trying to figure out how to shift um, she's hanging out with him because he's also a werewolf and he's going to show her how they spend the night together. They finally kind of confess some of their feelings. They both admit to really liking each other and always being afraid that the other one didn't like them, whatever. So the next day they show up at Loki's house and are holding hands and like hugging on each other. And everybody mm-hmm. immediately in the group is like picking up the vibes. of Yeah. So are you guys a couple now and their response is to just kind of look 
at each other and shrug and go, we don't know, yeah, I guess. I Maybe. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> cheeks are blushing and I really like him. Yeah. So we're just going to talk about like any times in our lives where that's been that kind of uncertain start to a relationship where there's no official like we're together now. Let's date or. Yeah. It's one of those more like awkward. I don't know. Beginnings. <laughs> awkward <laughs> or, beginnings. But you always this kind conversation. Of felt it. <laughs> This explanation from me. <laughs> no, I think it works. <laughs> yeah, with with that that feeling of being friends in the beginning, and you, but you both were feeling it. You just weren't there at that time of mm-hmm. your lives to kind of make it work. I think I have gone through that. That would my closest relationship to that. I think would be the one that I had with Julian when I was in high school because I was with someone else at the time when he and I first met I was a freshman and he was a senior and I mean I'm pretty sure and I could just be talking from memories that didn't actually happen but I'm 99% sure that this is the feelings that he had toward me but I, I think he's always been like attracted to me he always had a big crush on me I'll say it that way because we were in high school and just was just so into me and uh really liked me so I mean he asked me to prom when I was a freshman and we weren't even together because I was with someone else. But then three or four years later, we actually end up together and we were together for a long time because I was attracted to him then too. I was into him, but I had a boyfriend. So to me, that wasn't an option. I just, I wasn't, it wasn't there. But as my relationship with my current boyfriend at the time started to falter and I started to realize who I was becoming and who I didn't want to become was who I was becoming. Okay, I actually said that, and I'm sorry it came out that I way. Did, yes, <laughs> well, we all heard that. But I think you guys understand. <laughs> Holy shit! I'm sorry. I'm sorry that came out that way. I didn't like who I was becoming, and I was realizing it that my feelings towards Julian were actually growing because of it, because he made me feel more like who I wanted to be. So then I broke up with the boyfriend and got with Julian. So, and that was one of those things where it was just like, yeah, it seems like it was going to happen, and and it happened. We made it happen. But I think those feelings have been there for years in between because we became pen pals even before because he had left the state to go live somewhere else and we just kind of kept in touch and stuff and developed a relationship after that so yeah so you're looking at it more from the like distant like friend to relationship storyline but was yours equally like unsettled like when you first started getting together did you have this scene like Jewel and William where you guys were hanging out and everybody arrived you're like are you guys together now or not and you guys are Oh, uh, that's what you mean. <laughs> that's what I meant. But you know, that's fine I took too. It a different way. That's a good story too, because it's funny because that one didn't come up. I don't think the last time we did the friends to dating, not that particular kiss and tell. I don't think not that particular like scene. I think I used a different story. I don't know. Yeah. What did I? What did I? Say? I don't like. I look like I'm gonna find it. I don't know. <laughs> Why don't you know? Aren't you? Why am I even pretending like I wrote that down somewhere? (laughs) Stella told this story. I don't fucking know. Right, and how do I don't even know how to distinguish our conversations from podcast anymore to no, like no. normal conversations. There no. are times where I know that we're having this conversation in podcast. I'm like, hey, I thought Emily was with us. She wasn't fucking with us. She's just subconsciously here. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, I totally flipped the kiss and tell. <laughs> no, that's fine. Like an that asshole. one works too. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, you right now. <laughs> It's fine. You don't have to have 
to have one. But you guys consciously made a decision to get together then. Yeah, we you guys did. aren't William and Jewel. We're not William and Jewel. We're just no, like, it's just whatever. so I I have a story for the first part of that conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have a story for the, the second part. You may so you may have a story for the second part. So there, we've we put it together. together. It works. We're segueing. <laughs> that's how, like Patrick and I at no point ever actually had a conversation about starting to date. We just did. It just <laughs> happened. And then, uh, yeah, like four years later. <laughs> and for us, it was just like, so are you guys together now? And we're like, I don't know. It doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think at some point, I think it depends on the age when you ask that question. Because you, if you bring somebody to one of our Friday nights and he's just like your friend or your date or whatever, but he keeps coming back. I think we're all going to make the assumption that you well, guys and are- I think it'll be different. And the, the, I mean, every both this story, like with William and Jewel, and like my situation with Patrick, were, and even yours with Julian. It's mm-hmm. they're part of a friend group. Yeah. So people are around. You're hanging out in a group, and then eventually there's a shift. Right. Mm-hmm. My next, hopefully, because God knows we don't have any more friends, so I can't go going to them. <laughs> The next relationship will have to be an outsider who I bring in intentionally with like, yes. clear, this is my boyfriend. Or if we choose not to use that word because we're 40 and that sounds weird, some other <laughs> version of a word that means that. <laughs> yeah, yes. You know, so it won't be the same because it won't be yeah. the friend group to partner dynamic which is what this was what we both have been describing in our past yeah 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 for sure no that literally can't happen again there's already there's too many it's there's nobody left (laughs) there's no one left there's no one left in our friend group (laughs) exactly okay yeah i'm sorry i totally no you're fine i understand things differently it's interesting to see how we do understand things differently i thought (laughs) I thought I was being clear, and I definitely wasn't. Well, it's also how I intake things, which is not always translated the right way. So, all good. All right. So, I think it's time that we rate this book. We'll rate Heather Heather Ashbury's (laughs) More Than Human. As we kind of mentioned in the episode, not... There's no real sex in this book. It is mm-hmm. more interpretive, like maybe in the evening behind the closed door kind of thing yes. where it's there's the relationship part. They're definitely together, but we're left to our own imaginations for any actual scenes that might have happened between the characters. So yeah. for that purpose, we'll just rate the book as a whole. I know in other books, we take the rating and split it up among the sex scenes and then the total overall book. So yeah, I mean, her explanations as to why they're not written in there, it's to- it's 100% legit. Well, like I understand it. And you know, this isn't the first one we've read without sex, mm-hmm. explicit mm-hmm. sex in it. And that's fine. I think that's yeah. what makes the genre broader than just, you know, a sex scene or not. Yeah. Anyway, so on three yeah one two three seven Seven. and a half i'm gonna give it a half and i'll tell you why (laughs) all right i i really really loved and i know we talked about this with her but i appreciated the flip on tropes now i i think this is sort of becoming a theme for us is we love it when they're just like different things are like it's the same thing happening right but it's the flip on the characters that get to experience it so i think it's really awesome i loved all of her explanations as to why she didn't write the typical the, the wolves the typical way so her wolves don't follow that that map 
masculine theme that the jealous theme there was no jealousy in any of these pages jewel was so much bigger and stronger than william she was the one who saved him from the (laughs) you know like he was the damsel in this situation and he was grateful for it he wasn't like i'm the man i should be protecting you hardy har har whatever okay nice (laughs) now now he's a pirate um (laughs) (laughs) you know (laughs) so um and I appreciated her explaining that because I think that that makes a connection to the characters a little bit more for that. So I loved that piece of it. And I look forward to the intricacies of the different characters in the storyline being more open instead of so compact. Because I know she's building a world here, but for her future books, it's going to expand and open more and we're getting more explanation on understanding the characters and their stories and everything. So yeah, I, I think it's a good book. It's got room to grow with the characters and the the town. I really love, you know how much I love tiny oh, yeah. towns full of supernatural beings. I think they're the best. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, you know, New Mexico, Colorado, we got that mountain vibe, that, yes. you know, secluded kind of higher mountainous town kind of thing, which I love too. So it was fun. I want to see where the story goes with all of these characters. Obviously, Jewel has to develop into being her true self making it as far as she has without even knowing about supernatural creatures and then to discover she is a werewolf in this book so there's a lot that we can you know see for her on the horizon in terms of how she's going to grow and develop into those powers and then figuring out who she really is and then she's got William by her side for all of that that'll be fun um unless uh Heather decides to kill off oh, uh, any of our characters, and I really <laughs> hope she doesn't. So I was so nervous when she said that. I was like, no, no, everybody must live happily ever after. But it wouldn't be a great book if it wasn't. So, uh, yeah, true. So, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so yeah, on the whole, strong recommend. People should go out mm-hmm, and find yeah. this book and follow Heather for all future books. And guys, it's available on Audible as well. Well, audio. I don't know if it's, I'm assuming it's Audible, but I'm not sure. Yes. So that's always cool for the people who don't read as well, aka me. So I can't believe, I didn't even look at it. I didn't even look it up to see if it was available. <laughs> I think that's so funny. That's so funny. But it's all right. I just went and got it on our <laughs> Kindle. I was just like, yeah, okay, I'll go get this book on Kindle. <laughs> Well, uh-huh. it's my secret plan to force you to read books. Exactly. You're like, you're eventually going to get better. After five years, why aren't you better? <laughs> so our next book is Prince in Leather by Holly Trent. Read by I Forgot Who. <laughs> read by Piper Down, I think, or Pepper Down. Can you not read your handwriting? <laughs> Nope. I, I think it's Piper. It's a Y, so I think it's Piper. Yes. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> Prince in Leather by Holly Trent, narrated by Pepper Down. Yes. Piper Down. Oh, <laughs> You guys, we just gotta go. This we is cannot dead. keep we doing this. We can't technology it's, anymore. It's dead now. <laughs> Please, in the meantime, reach out to us on social media. It's Dirty Books on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or you can email us directly at dirtybooks at gmail.com. And in all those places, it is with three H's. And you can visit us on our website at dirtybooks.com and most places that you could find podcasts. Thank you, Jim Townsend, for the music. And thank you again, Heather, for joining us. And with that, we'll say goodnight. This is Selat. And this is Kalina. And we'll see you later. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
Yeah, you've been listening to Shh, Reading Dirty Books with Kalina and Saylet. Be sure to tune in to the next episode. Get some more of your dirty books read to you. And if you're listening on a format that allows you to give a rating, please do that for them. <laughs>